0: Hello, studio teacher friends! Welcome to episode 128 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, your host here and self-proclaimed APTF. (laughs) That's anytime, piano teacher friend today is an extra special episode because I'm handing this episode over to a lovely, exceptionally vibrant teacher friend of mine. (laughs) Yep, you guessed it. Nicola Canton is here today. Welcome, Nicola. I was spoiled at this year's MTNA National Conference because I got to hang out with Nicola over many meals. And I will just tell you, she is as kind and as entertaining as you would want her to be. <laughs> I had a blast learning all kinds of Irish colloquialisms from her, <laughs> which I actually kept record of in my actual phone. Anyway, Nicola is the real deal. I'm here to vouch for her. And today's episode is part of what I'm calling a podcast takeover trio, where three of us podcasters are all trading shows for the week. I took over Tim Topham's podcast a few days ago, so if you're looking to hear from me this week, you'll need to head over to the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast and check out what I have to say over there. Tim is taking over Nicola's Vibrant Music Teaching podcast today, and again, Nicola will be featured here today on Beyond Measure. Whew, isn't that fun? (laughs) Even better, we are all answering the same question, albeit with very different responses. We decided that we would each offer up three things that we would like to change right now if we could. Now, personally, I loved working with Nicola and Tim on this swap because we all came up with three very different sets of changes, yet I know that they are going to give you, the listener, lots of things to think about. So, without further delay, I give you Nicola Canton host and creator of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast with her three desired changes.
1: Well hello there lovely Beyond Measure listeners. If you haven't met before, my name's is Nicola and I'm so delighted to be with you today. Thank you so much to Christina and to Tim for doing this little experiment with me. I think it's a really fun thing to do together. So we deliberately chose a bit of an open ended topic so that we could each adapt it to our own styles and hopefully it'll be really interesting for you to see how each of us approach this. I wanted to take a minute to talk about how I approach changes in general, not just how I was preparing for this show, but how do I think about changes? in a way that makes me be able to take action on them at the right time of year. So for me, a lot of the changes have to happen around now, or I prepare for them a little bit before this time of year, which is May, because I'm getting ready for the following school year. So I need to make those changes. If they're business changes or even teaching things, I need to prepare for them so that I can implement them. I can send things out to parents before the school year wraps up and then the things change over over the summer when we're all off and then it kicks into effect in September when we come back. So I try to keep track throughout the year of things that I might want to change for the next year because I believe our studios are constantly evolving. We don't figure it out, set it up, and then leave it. That's just not how things work. You're going to tweak things as you go. And I think it's one of the biggest things that can hold newer teachers back is that they're thinking they have to fix it all and get it all in place. And then when it's not quite right, their first year or their second year or their third year, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I failed. I messed it all up. No, you didn't. That was just one iteration. Now you're going to go on to the next. 3.0, 4.0, you just keep going, you just keep evolving your studio. So I tried to make these little notes to myself throughout the year about things I might like to change without recrimination, without getting upset with myself because I put them that way in the first place. Now, what am I taking note of? I'm taking note of things that in some way get on my nerves, things that make me put my head on the desk and sigh. We all have those things, don't we? Things that give me a hollow in the pit of my stomach. If you get that sinking feeling dealing with something, well, that might be an area that needs to change because no one needs that feeling. Or things that make my head spin when I'm not supposed to be working. So what is it that keeps me thinking about work on a Sunday when I'm not supposed to be working at all? If it's getting tangled up in my thoughts and I can't relax, something has gone wrong there. So that's my goal is to think about those things as I go through and start to jot down some notes or just mentally note to myself, what is it that I might like to make a change on? With that in mind, let me share my three changes I'm thinking about right now. So change number one is nine months instead of 10. So what I'm talking about here is the school year. The way my studio works is I have two payment options for my parents. They can pay per semester, so half the year at a time, or they can pay monthly. If they are paying monthly, that, as it stands now, is split over 10 months. That's the 10 I'm talking about. That is September through to June. Now, the other part you need to know to understand this change is that several years ago now, I implemented teacher flex weeks, which means that we charge for a couple of weeks less, two weeks less, than we actually schedule on the calendar. So I put in space for 36 lessons, but I only charge for 34 and I only list 34 on the number of weeks on the calendar because I number each week on our calendar that we give to parents. Those are basically make up lesson opportunities for teachers. So if we need to miss a lesson, it essentially gets moved to the end of term. And I mark that on the calendar with like a light gray. You can see all this on my website. If you're curious, you can just look up my calendar. It's there for anyone to look at and see how it looks. So there are 34 weeks basically that we're promising to teach, but there's a little bit of flexibility where any one or two of those weeks might w- move to the end of term, which is in June. So June, if we don't take those two weeks, ends up being a very short month in our studio. And maybe we take one of the weeks, so we're finishing in the middle of June. Even if we take both, we don't quite get to the end of June. That's just the way the terms stack up here. Almost as soon as the year started this year, and I had... I had a new way of showing this on the calendar. This was sort of the system before, but I changed a little bit how we communicated it and how we showed it on the calendar, which I liked that change. But back in September, when we started this school year, I had that sinking feeling. And the sinking feeling was, what are parents going to think when we get to June if we're not making up lessons and therefore they're finishing? They have like one or two weeks in June and they're paying us the same amount. Now... My parents don't have a problem with the flat monthly pay- monthly payments. They get it. It's never been an issue for me. I explain it very simply. And they understand that they're pay- paying basically installments of a monthly fee. However, that just doesn't feel super good when we're looking at a month where there's only two lessons. And while I think it seems perfectly fine in the middle of the year, because again, they get that they're going to continue in the studio and whatever. If we're at the end of the year and if a parent is thinking we're not coming back in September, well, technically they have no reason to pay us for June, right? Because we're not even going to chase them on it in any intense way before they finish because, I mean, I will, I, I will intend to chase people up on it and be really careful with that. But still, if they're finishing up, What are they really losing if they don't pay us that full monthly payment? And the issue with that is part of that monthly payment is paying for previous lessons, essentially, that have already happened, because that's the way flat monthly tuition works. Sometimes a parent has actually sort of not paid you if you worked it out on a lesson-by-lesson basis for previous lessons that have already happened. So I realized this pretty early on in September, but I had already sent everything out, And honestly, most people are going to be honest. Most people are going to understand very few few people quit anyway. So they understand, you know, they have to come back in September and obviously they need to settle their account to do that. So I don't think it's going to be a real issue, but it does make me pretty uncomfortable. I feel like we've I've opened us up to an issue to possible delinquent payments. So that's why my first change, which I am implementing and I am honestly the most stressed about. (laughs) is switching to payment over nine months instead of over 10. So it's still flat monthly payments, but it's split over September to May. And then June is essentially just a bonus. They don't have to pay us anything. They're still attending lessons, but it's like a bonus. So this change is the most stressful for me, for sure, (laughs) because... If parents don't read carefully, if they don't really read my email, listen to what I say, I'll probably record a video as well, just to be kind of cover my basis. But if they kind of ignore me and then just open the price list, they're gonna go, what? It's going up by how much? Because it, for the monthly payments versus this year, it looks like there's a huge jump. Now, we are also increasing our fees. That's a standard thing I do. I'm not really worried about that. We're just keeping up with inflation, which is high. But, you know, people understand what's happening at the moment. I'm not expecting that to be a major issue for most parents. But if they don't pay attention to what I'm saying and what I'm explaining about the nine months versus 10, then they are going to get some sticker shock. And that's what I'm not looking forward to. But I have to go ahead with it because, as I say to other people, You have to make these moves in your business. You have to make the changes to create the business you want. You can't stop yourself from doing that just because there might be in that moment pushback or uncomfortable conversations. All right, we got the really stressful one out of the way. So let's go on to change number two, which is more of a teaching change. And that is that my big focus for my teaching in general is to try and get my students to play with more feeling, more emotion next year. So I have one of these kind of focuses every year. For example, three years ago, it was grit and growth mindset. I worked on ways to include that more. And then the year after that, it was active listening, trying to get students to listen actively and little things about that. It's sort of a theme, but it's a quiet theme that is just really for me. It's not even something I really cover with the other teachers a lot. It it might come up in conversations, but it's not something where I'm telling them, this is our theme for the year, you need to focus on this. No, they're developing their own teaching skills. This is more something I choose for myself as a general focus that I can keep coming back to periodically throughout the year and say, have I done more this year to improve us in this area? And then after that year, some things carry on. It's not so much a main focus, but some things continue. And, you know, grit, for example, is very much a part of our studio and little things we do that really started during that year work to build up students grit and their sense of what growth mindset is and sort of healthy attitudes to that. So I am always questioning what isn't working about my teaching. And that's not because I'm being a perfectionist or criticizing myself. I definitely don't do it with that attitude. I believe I do this in quite a healthy way. All I'm saying to myself is, hey, nobody's perfect, you know? So there's going to be something that isn't ideal about your teaching. Always and forever. Even if you teach until you're 172, there's going to be something that you could do better. So, what is it right now? What's the big thing that's looking at me, in the, me in the face and saying, hmm, this could be better? And for me at the moment, it's been my students playing with more feeling. This is something, honestly, that came kind of naturally to me in my own playing, especially as I got into my teen years. I loved just like letting out all the teenage angst when I was sitting at the piano. It didn't show on my face so I think that's my own weakness but in my actual playing I believe it was one of my strengths. I didn't find playing piano easy. I wasn't naturally gifted in any particular way. You know reading was okay but not super easy. Rhythm the same. Technique was harder for me I'd say than most because I have hypermobility in my all my joints but my hands being relevant to piano. And so This is one thing that I was maybe naturally good at. And it's really important for us to recognize what came naturally to us because those are usually the things we're weakest at teaching because we didn't have to work hard at them. We didn't have to be taught them. And so we often don't teach them at all or we teach them in a very weak way because we just think it's instinct. But it's not instinct to everyone. And I've noticed in my own students that Often, while their performance will be technically proficient and have everything in place that it's supposed to have, they're kind of missing the feeling behind it. And so that's my big focus for next year and the change I want to make in my own teaching. I have a few different experiments I'm trying with getting students to make emotional faces and tell stories and describe pictures about different emotions. But I'm going to record a whole separate episode of my own podcast on my own podcast feed for that because, yeah, it's a whole other thing, right? But that's one change that I am working on, trying some experiments with already and is going to be my big focus for next year that bubbles away quietly in the background behind all the other projects I'm doing. Change number three is an example of a really simple one that I'm glad I noticed that it takes a lot of Careful observation of yourself to notice these kinds of things. So, the change I want to make is I want to add an intentional break before the meeting I have with the teachers here every week. So, I have a few other teachers who work at Colorful Keys, and we plan all our lessons together every week. That's part of me mentoring them, helping them on their road. They're all new teachers. I specifically take on younger or less experienced teachers to help guide them and help mold them into becoming great teachers. And a big part of how we do that here is meeting up every week and planning for their lessons, reporting on their students, talking about teaching concepts. Now, I really enjoy that meeting. It's, I honestly, I, it's one of my favorite parts of my job. I do love it. However, I've noticed that I'm not as careful about my emotional state going into that meeting as I am with my teaching. I'm pretty careful that when I start teaching, I'm in a place where I'm gonna be an effective teacher for that student, and I'm gonna be in the right frame of mind to be in the moment with them, to enjoy their little jokes, to just be in the right mood where I can be a great teacher. So I deliberately don't do super stressful work leading right up to the moment I teach. Because I know that's not the right way to go into a teaching situation. I know that's going to, no matter how much I try and act cheerful or whatever after that has happened, I know it's going to bleed through into how I teach those students, how I react to things they say and maybe challenges they're having or the fact that they didn't practice. Now, I hope I would still be able to not be, you know, super grumpy with them But we know when we're not quite in the ideal mood. Yes, it happens to all of us. So I do my best not to be in that state when I'm starting my teaching. And I do that mostly by managing how my work is spaced out throughout the day and what kinds of work I will do directly before a student comes in. So my realization is I haven't been doing that for the teacher meeting and it's not fair I'm not saying I am rude or grumpy to the teachers that work here. I hope they find it a lovely place to work. But sometimes I do have to like control my reaction to things more than I would like. Like I'm not naturally in the right mood to react to it in the correct way. So I have to be controlling the emotion, regulating myself a little bit too carefully because of when that meeting is happening. At the moment, it's happening on a Tuesday. It may or may not be the same next year, but no matter what, I'm gonna put a break before it. The Tuesday timing has been particularly problematic in this sense because that's the start of my week. So I work from Tuesdays to Saturdays. By the way, this is a change I made last year. (laughs) I finally took Mondays off completely. Used to have a couple of bits on Mondays, but I do not work at all on Sunday and Monday. And so Tuesday, I arrive to a pretty full inbox in various different messaging platforms and my email inbox, everything. I have to clear all of that. And then, you know, I start to get into this, oh my gosh, there's so much to do this week state. I think we all do this at the start of the week. Yes. Maybe some people do it at the end of the week. For me, it tends to happen at the start of the week. So I'm in that state and therefore I feel like, oh, I'm going to get lots of stuff done today and then I'll feel better for the rest of the week. But when I do that, because the teacher meeting happens before our usual teaching day, so it's at 1 p.m., I run pretty much right up to that or too close to that meeting with all this stuff. And so my head is not in the right game. My head might be on a VMT project I'm doing or a difficult conversation I'm having with someone or whatever is happening. I'm letting myself get pulled into that too far so that I'm not in the right headspace to start that meeting. So that's my change I'd like to make. And I think the simplest way is just to force myself to have a break directly before that meeting. Rather than thinking about organizing the work in a certain way, I just want to take a break before it. And for me, I need it to be something novel that I don't do in the rest of the week. So I'm trying to think of something that I can look forward to that I only do directly before that meeting, you know, for half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever I decide I have a few ideas i haven't decided exactly what this is going to be i'm thinking i've been experimenting a little bit with like hand lettering with brush pens so that might be my weekly appointment to do that because i do it quite sporadically not as consistently as maybe i could so that would be a fun thing to do once a week or maybe what i should do is work on my chinese i have very little my husband is chinese but i have very little chinese so maybe i should work on that or maybe I'll bake something. I don't know, something that gets me into a different headspace and is very much not work. I've yet to decide what it is. I have the whole summer to decide this because it's really a goal from September on once I know when the teacher meeting is. But yeah, that's my third change. So those were my three changes. I had moving to a nine month monthly payment schedule instead of 10, working on emotion in my students' playing, and taking a break directly before the meeting I have with teachers here every week. I'm going to give you one bonus thing, and it's a bonus because I haven't decided what I'm going to do as of recording this episode. It's the thing I'm least sure about right now, but I know I need to make a change in the area of my group workshops, when they're scheduled, what exactly they look like, to try and increase the number of students attending them, because it has gone down since we came back after COVID. So that's my... Still up in the air change that you can take as a bonus. And yeah, maybe you'll have some suggestions for me about a great way that you've made it work in your studio. There's so many different ways to handle your group workshops. And I've tried many different things and I keep experimenting. Many things have worked for a certain period of time and then stopped working or I've needed to change something. So it's something that I think is pretty much in flux each year in my studio and I'm okay with that. If you have enjoyed my particular style of rambling, of thoughts, then I would love it if you would follow our podcast, which is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. And please come let us know the changes that you want to make right now on Instagram. That's the best place to reach me consistently. We are at Colorful Keys over there. And that's colour spelled the UK spelling. So that's with the extra U in it. At Colorful Keys. I'll see you over there. And thank you again, Christina, for having me. Ah, wasn't that just
0: fantastic? Nicola is seriously a fount of wisdom. I loved how she mentioned taking time to get in the right headspace before you begin teaching each day. That is something that I noticed makes a huge difference for me when I'm teaching when I'm intentional about doing it. (laughs) So, I have an episode on that very thing. It's from my early podcasting days, episode number 18 Cheers to Teacher Warm Ups. The show notes for today's episode are going to be full of helpful links for you. I will be including links to my episode over on the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast, Tim's takeover of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. As well as a links to a few Beyond Measure episodes that relate to this topic of ch changes. <laughs> if you are new around here, first of all, hey, welcome. This is a space for studio music teachers who recognize the true value in what we do. I do not claim to have all the answers. But I have experienced an awful lot of things in my 28 years of teaching, and I do promise to be a good friend to you as we make this journey together. I like to end each episode with a toast, so go ahead and humor me and grab the nearest glass and hoist it up in the air. Studio music teacher friends from all over the world... Today, I hope you are encouraged to consider the changes that you would make if you could. Don't even worry about what's feasible or what action steps you need to take just yet. The path to change begins with a dream. So start right there. What would you change if you could? Maybe it's possible, and maybe it's not, but let yourself daydream a little bit, okay? (laughs) We're a creative bunch here in teacher land, so let that imagination run a little wild today. Then see if there may be just one speck of that dream that you might be able to change. You just never know unless you give yourself the chance to think about it. (laughs) Cheers to you, my very brilliant very imaginative teacher friends. Here here. Thanks again for joining me here today on the show, my friends. I do hope that you'll tune in again next week because I am kicking off my first ever summer series here on the podcast. I am calling it the Beyond Measure Summer Bookshelf Tour, and each week I'm going to be highlighting a different book that has made a big impact on me as a teacher and as a creative. So, I know that I am always fielding requests for me to share my favorite reads with others, so I thought I would just spend this summer offering a glimpse into a few of my favorites. Does that sound fun? I hope so. I'm really excited about it anyway. So <laughs> make sure that you join my Facebook group, Teacher Friends of the Beyond Measure Podcast, because we'll be sharing some book club details there as well. As always, come find me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast, or send me an email over at Beyond Measure at gmail.com. Thank you so much, my friends onward and upward toward dreaming up
1: those changes.